Some places take you away. Some bring you together. Marathon does both. Marathon is Florida's family key with something for everyone. You'll find museums and wildlife refuges, wide open beaches, miles of warm, clear water, and the historic Seven Mile Bridge. For more about Marathon and the latest safety protocols, visit flakeys.com slash marathon. Welcome to the Lord's Podcast with Will Rowe. Well, welcome along to this month's Lord's Podcast. Lots to discuss today, and I'm very pleased to have, for the first time on the podcast, BBC cricket commentator, cricket writer, and the captain of Middlesex Women, Izzy Westbury. Welcome, Izzy. Good morning. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, a little bit tired. Uh, was that due to your win last night? Um, and perhaps the festivities thereafter. Fantastic. That was leading the Middlesex women to victory over Surrey? Yes, in the London Cup. So it's a very satisfying victory. Always good to win a derby. Down in the Oval as well. Yes, enemy territory. Great stuff. And alongside Izzy, we have journalist and author Tim Wigmore. Welcome, Tim. Hello, how's it going? Very good, very good. Um, plenty to discuss today as we ask, can England become the number one test-ranked side in the world, look at selection issues for the current series against Sri Lanka. Debate whether a franchise model is the way forward in county cricket, as Brendan McCullum joins up with Middlesex for the NatWest 2020 Blast. And I put my co-host to the test with the latest Lords podcast quiz. But first, uh, we're on the eve of the second test between England and Sri Lanka up at Durham. Uh, Jake Ball or Chris Wokes? Who's going to be selected? Who's going to or who should be? Let's go with who should be, because I think we know who may be. Well, I think for a like-for-like like replacement of Ben Stokes, you're looking at that all-rounder role, and you're going to have to say Chris Wokes. Despite yeah, he's, the near, he's like the anti-Ben Stokes and also the nearest <laughs> to Ben Stokes. Like, he's a very, very boring, very dull Ben Stokes. Well, you he's say, still a sort of Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes-esque. You say he's the anti-Ben Stokes, but on his, uh, his call-up to the squad, he got 9 for 36. Then he got Doug, so... He's a steady Eddie as a cricketer, whereas Stokes is up and down. You'll probably get more uh, more downs with Stokes and a lot more highs. And with Wokes, you kind of know, know, know what you're, you're getting a little bit more. Um, obviously, he could slot in at eight. Um, I mean, England will think that. I suppose England's actually England's batting wasn't brilliant last game, yeah. uh, whereas the bowling was fantastic. So, balance for side, it makes more sense to bring in Wokes, but I suspect they'll go for. Well, that's it. I think you're right. You're right that he's he's different temperament to Stokes, but but in terms of skills wise, he you know he he can he can bat. Yeah. Um, he's opened the batting for Warwickshire before, etc. Well, he did he did actually <laughs> um, the other day, perhaps slightly unusually. Um, and and he bowls. And he you know, obviously bowled extremely well. He got nine for I think in that match. Yeah, nine for thirty six. Um, whereas Jake Ball at the end of the day is an out and out bowler. Yeah. Um, so yes, it depends on tactics. Why do they decide they just want to try and skittle Sri Lanka again? Um, or do they want to actually try and build up um, a decent total? Wokes is in a funny sort of stage in his career because he's played sort of he's been on the periphery side for a couple of years and he you kind of think he needs a run yeah very soon or it's probably never going to happen for him. Um, it's possible that he would end up as sort of the the Rapkash of his generation, either the best county player who didn't really make it with England, which would be yeah. great for Warwickshire. But I think Georgia of ambitious to do a bit a bit more than that. I think the thing about Wokes for me um, is that he doesn't excite me and I don't think it excites many people. Whereas Ben Stokes, as you said, he's yeah, up and down. Yeah, he's got the X-Factor. So, exactly, absolutely, almost the Andrew Flintoff kind of mould. Um, whereas Wokes, I, whenever he comes on, both to bowl or to bat, you're sort of you're, you're not really sure. You're thinking, hmm, he might do a little bit, chip in here or there, but he's not going to take the game away. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a 30 and a two wickets for 60 man. Yeah. Whereas, whereas if you look Stokes at somebody... 
yeah. like Jake Ball. I mean, I, I watched his bowling spell um, against Yorkshire. That was that that uh, County Town match that sort of you know, that it was it was headlined as being having a huge amount number of England players. There was um, Stuart Broad was playing, etc. But actually, it was Jake Ball who stole the show. That was really exciting to watch. So if you're looking at that X factor, perhaps okay in one department, then you've got to go Jake Ball. Yeah, it's probably not going to happen. But I mean, in terms of do you see there is there isn't an England side with Ben Stokes and Chris Wokes in it, but there is an England side with Ben Stokes and Jake Ball in it potentially. So would you not blood ball for this test? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I mean Wokes would. His aim is probably to be to become the, the third seamer maybe when Anderson goes in a couple of years or whatever, and he, he played that test in South Africa in, in that in that role. Um, so he would think he's good enough. I suspect he's not. He's not quite good enough as to be in England's top three fast bowlers. So then it becomes he's kind of the nearest to a like for like. So in that sense, picking ball. Um, I mean, to be honest, an issue we have is that playing Sri Lanka at Durham is May is so dissimilar to any other Test England play yeah. that yeah. actually, if Jake Ball comes in and gets six or fifty or whatever, does it prove that he can take wickets in India? No, no it doesn't. Or even at Laws in August against Pakistan. Well, this is it. I think even um, before the first test had finished um, at Headingley, um, we were saying like, how ridiculous the conditions were. You're playing the first two tests up, you know, up north. Nothing wrong, nothing wrong with playing them up north. It's more playing them in May up north. Um, and when you go to India, they, the conditions are going to be wildly, wildly different. You're going to get a turning pitch. It's going to be horrible. Mm. Is a seam bowler like in the model work is going to survive and, and, and thrive out there? But you could say the same about Jake, Jake Ball. Possibly, but I think I'd back Ball more with his bowling than with Wokes. And in the batting department, where do we feel England sit at the moment? Because mm. there's Sam Robson at Middlesex <laughs> is scoring runs for fun, and it's sort of you know it's no secret that Nick Compton is struggling there. His, his county teammate. I just think they should pick Sam Robson for, for the Lord's Test alone. <laughs> just draft him in, draft him out. Yeah, they used to do that with bowlers, like Headingley. You, you're yeah, the, just, just bring Robson in at Lord's. Yeah, bat, bat, bat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he got 90, he would, would have broken a ridiculous number of records if he got that century um, that yesterday. Extra run, yeah. That extra one run, he got 99. That would have been four centuries on the trot. Um, <laughs> okay, it's against county bowlers, and yes, he would probably drop four or five times. But equally, he's comfortable here. Um, I don't think it's the most ridiculous idea. Mark Stoneman at Durham? Yeah, of course, you can do it. It, it has been done. Um, and, it, and it is tricky, of course, as you say, because Nick Compton is also a Middlesex man. Um, of course, he got a duck in that in that one innings um, last week. But you know what? So did Joe Root. Um, it happens. And, and you don't want to back him, you know, at least have a go at this one and see, and see what happens. Yeah, I think Compton has to be given the, the rest of this series, really. Yeah. And then that'll be seven, yeah, that'll be, that'll be run of seven tests in his his second in career if you like and that you can kind of make a judgement after that as they did with Robson originally after seven I think making judgement on fewer tests than that the other thing about Compton actually is he's, I think he's, he's only played he's played 14 tests I think only three of them have been at home um, so he's actually you know he's gone to India for four and South Africa for, South Africa for four so he's, the tests he's played have been very very hard and I think he would think that if he got a whole England summer he would actually be able to get enough, enough runs to sort of cement his, his place so he's, he's due a run for the for the rest of this series. I think that's fair enough. Looking ahead to the next series mm. and to the topic that we trailed at the top of the podcast, um, can England get back to number one in the world? They currently sit fourth uh, behind Pakistan, India and Australia. Pakistan at home this summer, then they go away to India and then in a couple of winters' times, it's, it's the ashes down under. Um, you know, is, is this the makings of a, a great England side? Well, I think, I mean, first of all, I think you agree as well, Tim, the fact that um, India and Pakistan sit, sit second and third in the test rankings is a bit absurd. 
Um, so there's no reason why I don't think England can, can climb up there. I think it's more um, Australia is, is the one to beat. Yeah, I mean, I suppose if England beat Sri Lanka and Pakistan this summer, as they would expect to, then they'll hold the bilateral trophies in all against all, all nine tests opposition, which which is a very very good start. Um, I think the the real issue actually is that the it's getting much harder to win at home series. Yeah. Um, sorry, easier to win at home and harder yeah. to win away. So we have a situation where actually what does being world number one mean? That world number one could still probably go away to Australia or India and still be the underdogs. So really we're in a situation now where we don't have, there's not one, one fantastic test side who stands out from the rest. Um, and England at home probably are the, already the best team in the world, but England away are probably a fair, fair way off being that. Um, I think there's being number one actually while it would be a great achievement probably would mean less now than in some previous eras just simply given the quality across the board why is it harder for sides to win away when uh, we were discussing this the other day uh, the facilities the, the modern players they're used to playing away they go and play they play all around the world why why do teams struggle to win series away and what are not actually alien conditions anymore I think one, one of the biggest factors is the tours have got so much shorter. So yeah. Yeah, Sri Lanka here had a, a couple of games before which were pretty half, half-hearted half and then they're into the Test Series. Often we've had teams before coming in the, the first series of the summer and their players have been in the IPL and have only come you know, two or three days before you know, playing opening Test at Lords, which is, and you know, historically you'd have you know, five, six, seven, eight tour matches. I think that, that's a, a huge factor. I think, I think the, the sheer amount of international cricket as well is probably a factor because they're on the road... Oh, and at the Mike as well, they're on the roads so so much. So actually, the value of being at home, at home campus, etc., actually probably become becomes uh, even even more important. I think um, another thing as well is that you say that um, all international players are playing all over the world. Well, they are, but predominantly in white ball cricket. I mean, you don't get and apart from a lot of um, Australians really coming over to the county championships and South Africans perhaps. Um, most of the international domestic stuff that they play is. T20, um, IPL, CPL, BBL, etc. Um, so actually the, the adjustment to conditions with a red ball and for instance England swinging red ball, not many teams have that. Um, and we saw it with Australia, I think. Um, they didn't have much preparation. Again, playing quite lowly county divisions as Sri Lanka have done here. Um, yeah, they haven't had much experience under red ball conditions. I, mean, I guess with England, the other thing is that until 2000, England didn't play any tests at home in May. And obviously we've seen We'll probably see Durham again this week. Yeah. What an advantage playing at, yeah. at May in, in, in May in England is. It's like nowhere else in Test cricket, um, and that actually obviously magnifies home advantage in a massive way. You suspect actually, even if Australia came in May, England would be, would be able to do very, very well indeed. So it, it, it's it's much easier. Well, it's, it's it's easier for the touring team that comes second in the summer to try and get a result. I think so. I think the conditions yeah. are, are less alien and. Hope in July and August there might be a little bit of sunshine. Around these <laughs> yeah, dials. might even turn a little bit. Yeah. And it, it, you were talking there about the the amount of white ball cricket. Mm. It's now back here in England. The 2020 Blast is up yes. and running. Um, it started again. Colin Graves on the <laughs> e- eve. Yeah, on the eve of it beginning. Uh, Colin Graves basically didn't say it was very good. Um, said there's nowhere near the IPL and the um, the Aussie Big Bash. Uh, what 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 do what do the ECB what do England need to do to get this this tournament mm-hmm. uh, working? I mean, I know next year they're going to put it in a block. Uh, is that some way to getting it there? That's, that's something. I mean, so the last few years it started. The the first day of the last has been the day before the, the FA Cup final, which is just it's just crazy for me. You, you shouldn't <laughs> playing T Twenty cricket in Manning just doesn't work at all. So if you if you push everything back a month to you know 
15 and the players to don't come either. You know, none of your headline acts are going to come to England that early because it clashes with the IPL. Yeah. Uh, and frankly, because it's so long, the the, the, um, the season, the T20 season, they're not going to be here for the start or end matches. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. So you have a situation where the the best players will fly in and play maybe half dozen games of T20 for their county and they'll leave once before they what before they can actually get to the final for their team and also it probably makes it harder for fans to develop any sort of real connection especially when you have T20 players who are kind of like if, if it's T20 in England it must be there must be I don't know a Dan Christian playing so I don't know who's playing for this year but he's always he's always popping about you know, those sorts of players and they're just, just recycled between counties I think it, that's it, that makes it harder for fans to feel a, a yeah, so um, a block is definitely a step forward, I think, in my mind. Um, it's just that the steps seem to be slower and smaller. <laughs> I, I think playing it in divisions would be a, a big step because for the whole sort of um, the quality of the tournament, you, you want you know you want the best players to be um, concentrated in, in the first division. So you could have a first division where, you say, you're allowed three or four of these players and only, say, two in, in the second. And the other thing is that sometimes on Sky they'll, they'll actually because Sky very well the idea of showing every county a certain number of times which is kind of a noble ideal but I'm sure you've got lots of cricket fans who quality like T20 but if they they're channel flicking and it's Derbyshire Northampton with respect they're, they're going to turn off straight away and if it was if it was Surrey Yorkshire or something they'd probably be more inclined Absolutely. inclined to watch so that I think it could be marketed even for what it is without ripping it up I think it could be marketed a hell of a lot better and by starting out that would make it a huge a huge difference and I think there's sort of quite simple ways it's like if you, say if you started every tournament with a derby day or derby weekend so you'd know that Sky would always be showing Roses match whatever Somerset Gloucestershire and Middlesex would really be sorry and you'd have all England players would always be available for that block that would probably be a time when newspapers would be forced to put county cricket on the, the back pages and if you make those what what the big bash has done very well they've kind of they've invented traditions and they've only been going yeah. for five yeah. six years yeah but they'll, they'll always have a Boxing Day matches or New Year's New Year's Day. And I think another thing with a big bash is because they play it in quite quite a concentrated period, and it's sort of there's the match every single night. There's only one match each night, but it means that people get home from work or whatever. Mm. They turn on the TV, and they might not be you know wanting to watch cricket, but it's there. Yeah. It's on TV, and I think the thing with big with the NatWest T20 Blast is you don't quite know when it's going to be on. Yeah. You know, it's on this Thursday and Friday, but it might not be on next Thursday and Friday. Yeah. Um, it's it's quite actually hard to follow, but with with the big bash, you don't even have to think, and IPL as well. It's scheduled so that it's on every single night, and there's just cricket is there on the plate. You don't have to the think about it. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah. so much choice in today's sort of society that if it's just served to you instead of having to go and find it, mm. then of course it's going to be watched more. And the other thing is, I mean, the T20 lost. The group stages often finish when the school holidays start, which is just absolutely crazy. <laughs> like it's just, and the whole big bash is based around the school holidays. Yeah. And the thing is, the big bash sugar prices are a lot cheaper. I think Canada advertising thirty pounds for an adult, which is kind of incredible, and you can get for about the same. You can get a family ticket uh, to go to the MCG, um, if not less. Yeah, which is for two adults and two two kids. Yeah. So the ticket prices are a huge, a, a huge problem as well. Well, I think the ECB is moving it in the right direction, and next year there will be that block where yeah. it's in the summer holidays. I'd, I'd like to ask Izzy, you were you were in Australia uh, yeah. this last winter, so yeah. you sort of witnessed it firsthand. Um, working as a journalist out there and also yeah. as, as a cricket fan. Yeah. Uh, what, what was the experience like? Well, I mean, to, to sit at the MCG and watch the Melbourne Derby when there are 83,000 people <laughs> watching, you know, domestic cricket, that's something that I think no one has ever, ever experienced before. Um, it was incredible. And, and like I said, I think it's just become part of the culture. It, yeah. um, there's a lot of things going for the Big Bash and that, um, remember, 
from going from the states to the franchises, there there were six states, and it was very easy to make eight franchises. Ninety five percent of the population in Australia is city based. Yeah. Um. So it's a very easy model to start up. Um. But the key for me is that it's on free to air TV. Yeah. Um. You know, kids. Every kid can watch it, and they create their idols, and it's it's there. It's again, it's just part of the culture now, and I just don't think that the population in England has that because, well, mainly because they, they can't access it. And you use the F word there, franchises. Mm. Is that the way to go? Uh, see, w- one of the important things that Izzy alluded to about Big Bash in Australia actually made it easier to see cricket because it, it created more more teams. So if you were the, the wrong side of Melbourne from the, from the MCG, well, suddenly you had a team on your doorstep, so it became easier. So I find it, you know, if you're if you're on Taunton, you you go every week and you're on the seven thousand you set it out. You're you're not going to go to you're just not going to go to Bristol no. if that's the only. So I I, I don't think. I think we get so I think there's two different issues here. I think we should have divisions which concentrate the, the quality, and then you have you could have a game a day on Sky from the the Premier League or whatever you, yeah. you want to call it, and you could have the same or even more teams and create a pyramid structure. So, you know, teams shouldn't be like again if you're Essex and you're you're selling out, well that's that's a very good thing for cricket that you're selling out and it's engaging new fans and everything. So you shouldn't take that away. But there's a way to have, and we have. Kind of traditional rival, uh, rivalries and brands, which are actually very strong in England, and actually the envy of domestic cricket in other countries all around the world. There's a way of tailoring that in a, a better way than the system at the moment, which having 18 teams basically just separated by region for yeah. for, for quality and value interest is not a good way of doing it. What if you had a Premier League of say eight, eight teams, and you could have casual cricket fans would know who they were and would know the players in those teams, and they're they don't have the time or inclination to learn about 18 different teams. I think that's one of the issues. If you if you flip on Sky and there's a, I don't know, there's a, a random game between you know, Leicester and Gloucester or, or whatever. Um, if you're a crowd cricket fan, you don't really know any of those players. Again, you're not going to yeah. really want to I think the key, the key for me is, is that it needs to be concentrated into fewer teams. At the end of the day, 18 is just too many. Whether it is through franchises, zonal franchises is one idea. I don't know. I think obviously you don't agree with that, but I just think, that it, it needs to be fewer teams so that you can relate to the players that you can know who they are identify with them and you know what maybe that is through um, a first and second division structure maybe it's through franchises um, but I think at the moment it's obviously just not working and bringing it back to this Going summer to, yeah just yeah. One, I mean yeah of course the Natas Bath is going to get I think a million people through the gates this yeah. year yeah um, so I think although it's, it's certainly not working as well as it could do it's not doing yeah. You know, if you said some, someone in England 15 years ago you'd have a million people <laughs> to the domestic competition, that would be that'd be incredible. So there's a, there is some stuff going right with it, but there's so many fundamental flaws which yeah. I think could be addressed to make it so so much better. I think as well, just for the, for the players, um, I think obviously you know England did extremely well in the um, in the World T20, but I think for the player experience, so if they want to perform in front of crowds, they want to have the kind of, um, of course, experience yeah. they did that there is in Australia. Um, and almost the fact that, but as you get you get that at Surrey and Middlesex, absolutely, but it's too few and far between. And almost you get that at Old Trafford and Headingley often, like. And I think if if you had more more England players and the, and again more of a sort of sense of momentum to the games, yeah. you could actually. And I think the because, key because you you know you tell, tell Yorkshire you're not going to have a team. You know, lots of people yeah. would be furious. Oh, of course, about absolutely. That. And the key for me is the fact that we've got England players in the IPL yeah. um, right now. Um, who will be playing the IPL over their home county, who they've been playing for since the age of seven. Mm. Um, and it, it, so that that, put, that shows the perspective of which the T20 Blast is held compared to these foreign far-flung tournaments. Okay, money's a factor as well. Yeah. But equally, you know, you want to get to the stage where Billings, Sam Billings, for example, it has the opportunity to play for Kent and the opportunity to play for, is it Daddy Daredevil, I think he's playing for? And he chooses yes. Kent. That's what we want to get to. 
I think. But it wasn't even him <laughs> choosing it. It was Andrew Strauss actually said yeah, it's better for your development, yeah. which absolutely. is realistic and right from him, but it's yes. also a damning indictment. Absolutely. Because actually Andrew Strauss is making that decision with England in mind, Correct. thinking about yes, the course. 2019 for the World Cup. And for the individual, yeah, it yeah. makes he's, sense. But for cricket, he's right England, to do so. But it's, yeah. it's a reflect. It's a kind a of sobering reflection. So that's that, that's what I'm saying. Is that that's almost an indicator? Is that when we get to the day in which Strauss, be it whoever decides, it says actually go play for Kent in the T20 Blast. That's when you realise it's actually going on the up. That's when the standard reaches yeah. and you've got the, the Big Bash, the IPL and the T20 well, just, Blast. Just on standard, I don't think the Big Bash is really any better than the T20 Blast. Lots of English, no, lo- lots of English players do way better, like Michael Lamb, Ricky Wessels, yeah. do far better than the Big Bash and the T20 Blast. So the issue for me with, with that presence is not of quality, it's of marketing and how you yeah. present it to yeah. fans. So it's the IPL where the quality is, Big Bash is the marketing. So no, if you can move, marry the two together? IPL is possibly slightly higher quality but I actually a lot of IPL is based on amazing batsmen thrashing yeah. very mediocre bowling yeah. um, and like you have often you know you have players whose job it is to go for 45 in their, their four overs it's the experience it's the high pressure situations etc and you just can create that more at the moment within the IPL and the BBL it's a fascinating debate we could go on mm. all morning and all afternoon um, bringing it back to this summer Brendan McCullum will be here at Lords. Yeah. Um, he'll be playing for Middlesex uh, you were t- mentioning a moment ago Tim you know Surrey versus Middlesex here is 28,500 it yeah. sells out it's exciting the players the players love to play in it um, a, c- a couple of years ago it went down to the final ball which was great um, I think Surrey won Zafra and Sari scrambling through for a single uh, how excited are the two of you to see McCullum back at the home of cricket, the spiritual home of cricket? I'm just hoping that it will sort of lift Middlesex's T20 woes out. out yeah, um, but yes, exciting of course because you know now that he's retired from international cricket, he's available for. Well, I say the whole thing. Obviously, he's now in the IPL and his team yeah. got through to the final, but for a good chunk of it, I mean, yeah. the headline player, <laughs> Middlesex. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. And actually, if you look around, there's some really, really outstanding overseas. Players around the mm. around the countries this season probably far more than people realise. Yeah, you've got the likes of Sangakara, Jai Warner, Chris Gale. Uh, that's just naming sort of the batsmen. So, yeah, it's as we say, it's it's, it's going in the right direction. And this summer there there will be some explosive games and should yeah, be some great I think games. The thing about McCullum as well, with that experience and his mindset and his attitude, I think that not only will we have his individual contribution, but his presence and his sort of now so hopefully bring out the best of Middlesex um, and the others around it because there's some really up promising players for Middlesex who perhaps just haven't fulfilled that potential yet yeah an interesting county Middlesex in the sense that their, their T20 hasn't been great uh, we can't shy away from that they no did really no yeah. 2008 <laughs> yeah um, but in recent seasons it hasn't been they haven't been the strongest of no. counties but onwards and upwards. Um, to finish off, I'd like to put the two of you to the test with a quiz. Mm-hmm. So um, are you ready for this? Basically, what I've got is um, a few historical moments from Lord's Cricket Ground. So I'm going to give you an option, one date, and then three options of what may have happened on that date. Okay. And you're up against each other. So do we shout? You, well, no, no, no. I'll, um, this is the Lord's podcast, Tim. It's much more... Um, <laughs> the, the, the we don't just shout. Yeah. Um, Put your hand up, Tim. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. You'll go in order. Speak when so, spoken to you. Exactly. Oh, yeah, um, I'll put that in the middle just in case you want to um, refresh your brains. Um, in 1906, one of these <laughs> things happened. Um, was it A, did Albert Trott take two hat-tricks in the same innings at Lord's? the first of two bowlers ever to achieve the feat. Was it B, England bowler SF Barnes took match figures of 11 for 110 against South Africa during the Test match that summer? 
Or was it C, the press box at Lords was built? Um, Izzy, you can go first on that. So in 1906, which one of those three things happened? I'm going to go A, because I'm pretty sure that this was advertised on the first day of this, um, of this match. So we're going to go for that 100-year anniversary. I was going to say A as well. I can't punch it right now. So you're both going for A. Okay. The answer was C, the press box at Lords was built. <laughs> The two journalists in the room get this wrong. That's pretty embarrassing. Oh, yeah, I threw you a curveball there. It was, it was on that day. It was on Sunday the 22nd that Trot just did it. It was the wrong year. It was just the wrong year. It was in 1907 that Albert Trot. Well. Um, so there you go. Uh, the other guy that did it was an Indian bowler called Joginder Raul. Um, he also took two uh, hat-tricks in an innings. And he also took a hat-trick in another match. And guess how many first-class games he played? Three. Yeah, I was going to say two. <laughs> he played five matches <laughs> and took three hat tricks. Um, bad record. Why did Why did he play five? <laughs> I don't know. He was obviously quite good. Um, right. So it's nil nil. Uh, round two. <laughs> Here we go. In 1992, what happened, Tim? You can go first on this one. Was it a the launch of the Lord's Tour? Was it B? Alex Stewart scored his maiden Test century here at Lord's. Or was it C, Ian Salisbury made his test debut at Lords? Um, I'll go for C. Ian Salisbury making his test debut at Lords. Izzy, what happened in 1992? I'm going to take a punt and go for B. B, Alex Stewart scoring his maiden test century here at Lords. Tim, you go 1-0 up. Okay. It was Ian Salisbury made his test debut against Pakistan. Took five wickets. England lost by... Two wickets in the match. There you go. Bit of trivia for you. Um, so it's 1-0 to Tim. Sorry, I've got that the wrong way around. Um, Izzy, to, to square it uh, for an honourable draw, let's see what see what we've got here. In 1930, one of these three things happened. Mm -hmm. Was it A, legendary commentator and Australia cricketer Richie Benno was born? Was it B, Herbert Sutcliffe scored a century at Lords in the Test match against South Africa? Or was it C, the Harris Memorial Garden, more commonly known as the Harris Garden was built behind the pavilion at Lords. One of those things happened in nineteen thirty. Older than that. Um, let's go see. See the Harris Memorial Garden. I'll go for A. You go for Richie Benno. You have a steely determination, as if you know. <laughs> it was indeed Richie Benno was born in nineteen thirty. Oh, so there we go, Tim. I was rather expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> happens to the best of us so yeah Tim you win 2-0 uh, that was it that was the Lord's podcast with a historical twist um, well that's it today for the podcast many thanks for coming on um, Izzy what have you got coming up over the next sort of few weeks um, I've got a few matches in Middlesex with the, with the women we're playing against um, Sussex and Somerset and then I'll be around the grounds doing a bit of commentary as well looking forward to that absolutely on the, on the BBC Airwaves isn't it yeah so BBC Sports um, tune in great stuff and Tim yourself yeah, just taking over. Just come back from Germany, actually, for a piece on uh, Afghan refugees playing cricket there, which is sort of incredible. So I need to fascinating. Just finish uh, typing up all those interviews. It's not ready yet, though. It'll be ready, ready soon. Where will it be? Where can people who's listening read that once once it's there? Crick info. Crick info. <laughs> Great stuff. We'll look out for it. Well, many thanks for tuning in. Um, I'll be back next month with more cricketing stories from Lords. So remember to follow us on Twitter. Our handles at Home of Cricket. Be our friend on Facebook, and for all the latest news from Lords, simply go to lords.org. See you soon. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.